January of 2020, I was given the opportunity to travel with my women's college abroad. It was packaged as a service trip, and I didn't really know what to expect other than the fact that I'd be traveling abroad for the first time in a really long time. So when I was told we were going to Costa Rica, I was a little anxious. I didn't really know what to expect at all, um, especially because I was told that we would be visiting an indigenous matrilineal community founded in the mountains on the border of Costa Rica and Panama. When we arrived, I thought that our travels would have concluded after our six-hour bus ride through the country, um, but in fact, it took us to the Yorkeen River, where then, powered by men with long sticks and very skinny arms, 20 of us were taken in canoe-like boats an hour and a half upstream to yet another mountain. After hiking another 45 minutes, we finally found where we would be staying. It was, I guess, a bungalow, but it was open on all sides and just had a roof, and we had no electricity, running water, or any consistent expectation of what life would be like for the next 10 days. Um, it was probably the most out-of-body and out-of-world experience I've ever had. Not because of the things that I mentioned, but because they were all things that I'd never imagined existed or thought to even reflect on in my time there. Um, it was the little things like the fact that juice meant water and squeezed fruits, or if we wanted to add sugar to something, we could actually go squeeze and process sugarcane. Um, it was the way that they did not like when we added sugar to our chocolate and laughed when some of us reacted with very funny faces after eating cacao for the first time. At this point in my life, I realize how infinitesimally small my experience is, but how deeply profound it could be. The people that I met in Costa Rica didn't really have cell phones or social media or any way to ever stay in touch with me, and I didn't really know if I would ever see them again, but I know that they've changed my life. Um, I can't really ever eat chocolate without thinking about how long it takes to roast the beans. I can't drink coffee without thinking of the coffee berries and the plantations that we visited during our drive um, with our bus driver named Goto, who we've never seen or spoken to again. Um, I really laugh every time I think of sloths because a lot of them do actually end up falling to their own deaths because they think their arms are trees. And these are all things that I was taught by my two amazing tour guides, um, Emily and Pamela, who um, for a living show people Costa Rica and all of its beauty. I know that traveling isn't really something that's accessible um, to everybody, and I know that it can take a lot um, a lot of planning and respect and research to even find where to go and how to do so sustainably and, uh, and respectfully. But I do encourage everybody to go out of their comfort zone in some way and maybe find a world that they've never inhabited before. I know that it certainly taught me a lot about myself and the way that I see myself in the world, and I think it's an experience that everyone and every young person should have, if, they, if possible. Today's episode will touch a little bit on that. We speak to someone that has traveled around the world 
maybe even a couple times, and has learned a lot throughout her own travels about the world, but most importantly, about herself. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of Gen Zeal. We have so much fun and exciting things planned, so we're just going to jump right into it, and I'll turn it over to Vahi. So today we're joined by someone that I look up to so very much, Anjali Gordon. Anjali is an alumnus of Salve Regina University, and according to her Instagram bio, is a believer in the universe and of all things magic. Anjali is a Leo sun, Libra moon, and a Leo rising. Some fun facts include that she loves to surf, one day would like to own her own farm slash retreat center, and can still recite the prologue of Romeo and Juliet from high school English class. Welcome, Anjali. Thank you so much, Vahini. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. Um, Okay, I think we need to just jump right into our rapid fire. So we know that you travel often and a lot. And so one of our questions is, if you could choose any person, fictional, real, in any dimension of reality, Mm -hmm. to be your travel partner, who would you choose and where would you want to go? Okay, I love this question right off the bat. Um, I think right now I would have to say my really good friend Amira, who is probably like my best friend from college, and she just moved to the West Coast, and I've been wanting to see her for so long. We had a really cute meetup in Nashville in August, and that's really, I think, what has made me want to travel more with her. But we're on very different life paths right now, so that is that is honestly a fictional world that I've created (laughs) but yes hopefully one day and honestly I would go anywhere with her we are trying to plan a weekend meetup in Montana and do some sort of farm ranch so that is such a sweet answer considering when I didn't even read the fictional or real part all right the next one is what are three things you take everywhere with you um I would say Definitely a book of sorts, whatever I'm reading that week, month, year, sometimes it takes. Um, And then my childhood stuffed animal, which is actually kind of daunting to admit on this podcast, but (laughs) I take this stuffed animal everywhere. Actually, my trip to Costa Rica right now that I'm on, my friend walked into my room and he was like, oh my gosh, like, what is that? (laughs) Because it's literally, like, so beaten up. Like, you can't even tell what kind of animal it is because I've just experienced, it's experienced so much life with me. And I I will bring this everywhere. Um, So, yeah, it's embarrassing to admit, but I'm here to be transparent. And, (laughs) yeah, so, and then the third thing, um, honestly, I think that I bring a lighter most places that I go just because in my bartending class that I took a few years ago, the like thing that was ingrained in your mind is just to always have a lighter because it helps you meet new people. Um, and yeah, if you're a bartender, it makes you way more liked because everyone wants to smoke a cigarette. So that's also something that I keep keep with me. Do you have like a cute one? Like, is it like a like a those like fun metal like the Zippo. One? yeah the Zippos um no I, I have had Zippos in the past but they always run out of lighter fluid like too quickly I think um but right now I have a Leo lighter <laughs> okay that's on brand you it, it's on brand for you to have like dope lighters that that I see for you 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of your Leo lighter, if you could delete any zodiac sign from the whole calendar, which would you eliminate? You can even be specific. Like some of our guests will even go down to like gender, place, like all of it. Okay, well, I would say Taurus men. No. Specifically. I, I'm a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. Um, Gemini is my favorite, my favorite zodiac sign to ever exist. So you're on the top of my list. My favorite zodiac sign is Taurus women. Me and Taurus I women. Taurus <laughs> They're beautiful. Yeah. Vahini is in fact a Taurus woman. What's your beef with Taurus men? Oh, past lovers. Oh. <laughs> uh, that yeah. you know what? The thing about it is that'll do it. That'll do it. If I could get rid of any of them, I would probably say um capricorn pathological liars just aren't for me sorry to any capricorns <laughs> listening vahini's mother a wonderful woman and an avid listener of the pod is in fact a capricorn i knew it i just knew like i just knew it was gonna come back to vahini <laughs> she she has a lot of pride in her capricornness so i don't think she'll she'll take it too seriously okay our last rapid fire um who is your least favorite celebrity I feel like I don't keep up enough with celebrities to have a good answer for this, but I'd say anyone who isn't, like, using their fame to, like, make a positive impact on the world. Like, if you're just kind of, like, famous, like, I don't care if you're famous for no reason, but as long as you're doing something that's, like, beneficial to, like, the youth or certain, like, minority populations or something, like, I feel like you just have to be using that power for a good reason, and then you're relevant. But if you're just, like, famous and, like, doing absolutely nothing that benefits the world... That's a wholesome answer. I have no complaints with that answer. So, on to the real stuff. Um, so, Anjali, from a distance, as in you being my best friend's big sister, I've always had the opportunity to know who you are and observe you. Um, and you've always seemed to be very rooted in who you are. But you've also... I've also seen you change and grow and be very flexible, um, and I guess like a good word to use is like being able to flow and maneuver in like very different circumstances. But I also know that from a distance that might not mean very much. So what has it been like for you? Okay, yeah. So I mean, let me just, again, with the transparency, I personally don't think that I'm that great at going with the flow. I think that I'm someone who's actually like, pretty fearful of change. And I mean, I definitely, from the perspective of seeing me on Instagram or like seeing me as the older sister of your friend, I definitely feel like I do come off that way, but it's not necessarily who I feel like I am. Um, but I love that that's the energy that I exude. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that my sense of self has kind of been rooted in my heart surgery, which my sister Kavita always gives me beef for bringing up because it's like the main part of my personality. But um, yeah, so I had heart surgery when I was 13. And that I think really caused me to grow up in a way that, you know, most 13 year olds weren't at that time of their life. So I felt like quite outcasted and uh, a little bit too aware of the world. Um, because it, you know, it was an experience where I really, like, realized that death was a thing. Um, but I think that that uh, experience has really caused me to take these leaps of traveling, of leadership, of doing, 
whatever I feel like doing at the time and not really caring what other people are thinking about it because we have such a limited time here and I want to spend it doing what I feel like I enjoy in that moment. Uh, But yeah, so pretending that you're confident makes you confident. So I think that a lot of times, even on this trip, there was an experience where um, I went to the national park and I didn't have a ticket um, to get in. And the security guard was saying that they were sold out and that I'd have to come back tomorrow, but I'd taken a two-hour bus, so I wasn't coming back tomorrow. And I just pretended that I had a ticket and just walked through. And at the check-in station, I was with a group of some people who had tickets, and they were showing their IDs and everything. And as the guy was, like, asking for for their IDs, I just walked in behind them and straight into the park. And I think that that sense of just what I like to call just walking with a purpose because my grandmother on my Indian side, my pa, ever since my sister and I were little, I would ask her like, what if someone tells me I shouldn't be here? And she would be like, no, like just act like you're meant to be there and no one's going to question you. And so that's something that I feel like I've taken with me throughout my whole life in physical situations, but also like on Instagram or whatever other platforms people maybe have have this idea of me on it's because I feel like you just need to be who you want to be and then everyone else will think that and then you'll also think that in return it's almost like the idea of manifestation too uh yeah so then yeah back to the not being super like into change I think that my problem something that I'm working on is being comfortable while being comfortable because I think that the moment that I start to feel like I have a specific direction or place I immediately want to change it up and I think that's like rooted in being boring I guess and wanting to just experience all of these things that I can um And that's something that I've realized more and more about myself recently, like when traveling. Uh, So that's what I'm hoping to do when I go back as uh, my job being partially farming for eight months. I'm hoping to, you know, try out that passion of mine and I'm hoping that maybe it'll stick and I'll be able to be comfortable being comfortable. That's a very like interesting like perspective because I think like it's really impressive that you channel your restlessness into change or into doing something. Um, and you're learning to like pause and like sit in the comfort. Whereas like, I'm very much the opposite where I like doing what I'm doing and I don't enjoy like the idea of doing something else. So I think it's like really cool to think about that as like the other way and like telling yourself to like be still and to sit in something. Um, Cause yeah, you're right. That like comes with like two sides of like being able to, you know, go through all of these really cool experiences, but also making sure that you're actually like, yeah, it, it, it almost adds like a third dimension to like the thing that like, Oh, like no one likes change, but it's like, what about the people who don't like to change? Like the fact that they're always changing, like, I don't know. It just adds like another layer of complexity that like, prior to right now I hadn't even considered that other people had experienced that but like once you said it I was like oh like wow like I just always thought like people were just like 
like, I don't know, people were just, like, that's just who they were, and they just loved doing that, but, like, I don't know, it's interesting to hear that, like, even those people are, like, it's almost like the, the grass is always greener. It's, like, even the people who, like, are living your ideal of, like, just being visual, I mean, at least visually, like, moving through the world, it's, like, that, that person's experience is not necessarily, like, the sunshines and rainbows you're making it to be. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that something about traveling specifically, like when represented on social media, is that it's this extravagant, beautiful lifestyle, which obviously people always show on social media the sides of life that are, you know, what they're proud of. But something that I was talking with my friend on this trip about was that traveling actually kind of sucks. Like, it's like you realize so much about yourself throughout this journey. And you go through so many emotions that you don't show other people on the outside. And it's so specific to your location and who you're around at the moment that only those people that are there in that moment that you may have met that day get to experience with you. And so, like, I'm, we've been feeling, like, very nostalgic. And I've had this, like, sense of melancholy almost the whole time on my trip here. and But especially the past few days because I'm catching a flight at... 5 a.m. tomorrow and I you know like I've just felt like an overwhelming sense of sadness I think about just the constant like you know meeting new people and then letting them go and that's something that happens all the time throughout traveling um, and in life in general but traveling kind of heightens it because you're going to a new hostel maybe every three days and other people are leaving and you're coming in and there's just like this cycle of who's actually going to remain a constant in my life. Um, and that's why I think that traveling also makes you really like reflect on yourself inwardly and you have to be the most comfortable with yourself, not with who's around you because a lot of the time you're spending is yeah. alone. I'm actually so excited you bring that up because something that I've like grown up hearing like whenever I was bored or restless or like didn't want to be alone was like my grandparents, my parents would be like, if you don't enjoy your own company, like why subject other people to it as like a lesson of like learning to enjoy yourself, but also like um, something again, like my elders would say is like, wherever you go, you go like all you can ever take anywhere mm -hmm. is you and so I and you're so right like I've had experiences where I've gotten to travel in like very remote places of the world and it is intense because these high emotions these amazing revelations about yourself the world where you well, fit in. this is kind of a, like illuminated for me is that like I think like I've been thinking about like oh your 20s a lot and everyone talks about like oh when you're in your 20s when you're in your 20s but like I think your 20s like kind of like the universal experience that like at least of the people I'm talking to it's like you're all finding out who you are but like you're all doing it in intensely different ways like you were just saying like you have found like like through going to all these different places and becoming these like hyper characterized or like caricaturized versions of yourself in all these different places you start to realize like what's the constant like what's the thing that like like, the person I am is the person I am in all, all these places. And I think, like, a lot of people, I'm, like, thinking about, like, young graduates, like, people who just graduated college, too. And, like, 
like I know I'm experiencing that too, where it's like our whole lives, we have the opportunity to ascribe ourselves to like, I am this. Like when you're a child, you're like, I am the brother. Like I am the child of my parents. I'm the, the brother of my siblings or the sister of my siblings or the sibling of my siblings. And, but then like after that, then you're like a student for your entire life. And so that is like the, like, you're, you're almost ascribed an identity for much of your life. And then when you hit your 20s, you're like, like yeah, I, I work for X company, but that's not who I am. Like, I do X thing, but that's not who I am. And so, like, you're kind of just, like, thrown to the wolves and be like, figure out who you are. And it's just so interesting to see, like, what that looks like for different people. Like, what does finding who you are look like for Bahimi versus Dylan versus Anjali? Like, it's just crazy. Yes. And I think that the, tw- like your twenties in general, I remember like when I was in high school, I thought that I had huge problems. Like, you know, I was going to fail my math test or whatever. And yeah, like that was real for me at that moment. But as I've gotten older and graduated college, I feel like it just keeps getting, I feel like I'm getting almost like more and more lost, but also more and more closer to whatever path I'm meant to be on. And I think that just sums up your 20s in general. Like, and like you said, it's different for, for every person. All right, lovely time. <laughs> I don't know why I just jumped into a British accent, but um, our next one is, so this is kind of like, kind of piggybacking off of what I was talking about a little bit, um, but like through like that, pa- those like past 10 years, like from being like in like high school, college, and now like the after, what have you noticed has been like the constant? Um, And I mean, the next part of the question was what has kind of adapted, which you've touched on, but I'll give you the opportunity to answer that part too. Yeah, yeah. As I think about this question, I think that I feel like I've changed a lot. I think that most people would say that, I would hope so. Uh, Because if you're not growing, then what are you doing? But I feel like my mindset has been a huge adaption for myself because for people who have known me in high school, I do not relate to that girl at all anymore. She's still very like relevant to who I am, like who I've become, but I'm almost like embarrassed that people only know my high school self um, because high school Anjali was kind of dark and um or at least she thought she was probably other people were like what is this girl doing but I thought I was like super moody and cool and obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe and purposely outcasted purposeful lone wolf energy which I feel like I do still have inside of me somewhere but then I went through college and found myself in tons of leadership roles much more social than I had thought I would ever be Uh, for an INFJ and then you know out of college I think I'm still figuring out who I am but I think what has changed the most has been my mindset of you know the more pessimistic view of the world in high school to now more of a you know looking for this light worker energy as an adult um, and trying to see the beauty in every little thing which if 15 year old me was listening to this podcast right now she would kind of be horrified I think but like hopefully in a good way I'm not sure we'd have to go back in time and ask her but yeah I think that that's been my biggest uh adaption and then my constant is definitely my family and um my support system that 
I've had in Jersey that we like to call the village who has raised us. Um, and that's something that I'm absolutely so grateful for because I think that having a good family life uh, has allowed me to have all of this other change in my life uh, because I've known that they're always going to be there to ground me. Um, so yes, shout out to my mom, my dad, and my sister. Uh, and I think that also my, my parents' relationship um, has made me feel super secure as well, um, which is, you know, not something that is the case for everyone. And so I'm absolutely so happy for that. Um, both my parents are water signs too. So loving is very, very common. They're a Pisces and a Cancer and the house is filled with cooking and love. <laughs> uh, so, and like another thing in terms of like a constant, like I like so love that you pointed to your family as like a constant that grounds you and that you can always go to. But like, I've also noticed about you, like, I don't know. I don't really remember a time, I guess, like in our adolescent lives where you haven't been like expressing yourself in some way or another. Like I downloaded Pixar because you were like doing photography in middle school, right? Like you've always like been doing photography and art and poetry. Like you've always been expressing yourself in these really cool ways. And so like that's a constant about you that I've observed. And I don't even know if that's intentional on your end, but I think it's, like, mm. super cool to see, like, you still take photos, but they're very different from the ones that you took at 14, like, to now. And I think, like, those stories and those things, like, that are still a big part of us that get to change with us are super Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I've never thought of that in that way that you pointed out because I guess, like, I have always been very expressive. And I think that is because of my dad. I remember my first trip to India in fifth grade, my dad made my sister and I keep a journal and I've been journaling ever since then. And I think that there's always so much happening in my mind that I don't think I would physically survive if I didn't have those outlets of expression because there's just like too much happening in there that it would just be exhausting to live with it all inside of me. So I need to just like put it out into the world in different art forms, I guess. Um, but yeah, I still do write a lot of poetry and my, my photography is very different. Um, now it's just, you know, self-obsessed Leo energy, but I would love to get back into photography. I have, um, a film camera that I've been taking on my travels. So hopefully I'll post more with that, uh, in the coming, coming months. Um, but yeah. And then I think the photography thing has just like changed into the modeling path, which I'm not still not sure like how I'm navigating that much so I think that one day it'll circle back into being photography that's I'm definitely so my excited goal. I, I just love just being on the ride and watching it all um so I like our next question I think like acknowledging all the travel I know that you went to Rhode Island for college and you've been there for a while um, and you've lived in New Jersey for most of your life and then, you know, just traveling as you do. And then also life being like upended by a global pandemic, like what allows you to carry all of yourself, all of Anjali and what makes you, you like authentically and wholly like in all of these. Mm -hmm. I think that this kind of relates back to what Dylan was saying with like having labels from basically when you're born throughout your whole life. And I, I have to admit, I am someone who does take comfort 
in having labels. I think that it helps me know myself and I guess like relate to a certain group and identity. And I think that that's all stemmed from being biracial. And Vahini, as you have coined the term Hindu, that lives in our family. So half Hindu, half Jewish. I bring it up. I honestly bring it up probably like <laughs> at least once a week in my life. Okay, it's so but relevant. before you, I was like in second grade. Like I wasn't like I wasn't a full adult calling my friend a Hindu. Like I need like the world to know. Yeah, I you were a, you were a toddler. Okay. Like. <laughs> Continue. No, but I think that's like a profound thought for a second grader. <laughs> I, I love that term. I don't think I like you're thinking like it's not offensive at all. I think that it's it absolutely summarizes who I am as a person. Um, but yeah, I think that growing up biracial really made me, I guess, like confused, first of all, because I wasn't sure where I fit in, especially in the elementary school years. Um, and when I, I was traditionally raised Jewish and went to Hebrew school and I was the only brown person there, my sister and I. So I think that those experiences that are so shaping when you're, you know, a young kid makes you kind of like hold on to the things that you know that you are. Um, And specifically, like I identify as a a queer woman of color. Uh, And so I think that those labels like help me kind of identify which groups I'm meant to be in. And uh, that also helps me feel stable wherever I am in the world throughout my travels, even if it's just to Rhode Island. Because when I moved from New Jersey to Rhode Island, it was a culture shock. It was the biggest culture shock I had ever experienced, even compared to India or Costa Rica or France. Like going from New Jersey to Rhode Island was probably the scariest thing that I had ever done. Because I was going from this diverse community in Little India, Island, to a predominantly white upper class mansion neighborhood. And that was something that I was excited for, but also was really unsure about how I would fit into. And thankfully, I really did find the right leadership groups um, and people along the way. But it was also um, during the lovely year uh where Trump was elected president as my freshman year of college so I think that also helped me kind of launch into finding my people right away because that I remember that election occurred I was living with four really lovely white women but the reactions that we had to this election were very different because it affected them in a way that was different than me and I think that, you know, after that election, calling my mom crying and asking her what I should do because I felt scared and like I didn't have a home in this community, um, that really was a shaping experience in, and it all relates back to being comfortable within yourself and hoping that you know yourself well enough to navigate those communities that are differing than yourself. But I mean, with all that said, I think that Salve in general has been absolutely such a home to me. And I think that partially that is because I've felt quite ambiguous in ways that I can mold into different communities because of my my upbringing, of traveling, of 
not necessarily fitting into a certain identity look-wise. Um, and, you know, the anthropology background as well. So, yeah, you brought you bring it up, and I think we'll, we wanted to talk about that, so, like, no better time to do it than right now. So, yeah, having studied anthropology, like, how is that kind of, like, academic background? Because we've talked to people who have been, like, film majors who have, like, obviously, like, film informs the way that they navigate the world and the way that they create. And so having studied anthropology, how has that kind of been able to guide the way that you navigate the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that anthropology relates to everything. I used to tell my parents when I was a freshman at Salve that I was majoring in undecided because anthropology is so vast that you can explore, you can do whatever you want with that degree. And my mom used to hate when I would say that because she'd be like, no, you know what you're doing. Blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the amazing part of social sciences in general, but anthro specifically, since it's the study of human culture, it's very relevant in everything, every occupation you can relate to anthropology. And for me, that's like really manifested in traveling um, and in my food journey of farming and the nonprofit that I had worked for last year. So all of that um, is really based off of the anthro background. And I know that, you know, ethics is a huge topic of conversation as well within traveling. And, you know, I think that partially I'm almost hyper aware of respecting whatever culture it is that I'm in um, and hyper aware of like the space that I'm taking up, which I think women do in general, like naturally because we live in a patriarchal society. But I think that the anthropology degree has translated throughout my whole life in like literally every way. Like I can't even tell you specifics because it's, it's in every single second of my life. That's super exciting and cool. And I'm like, I like jokingly, like with my friends, not even jokingly, I always say that I should have majored in anthropology just because I see how flexible it is. But um, I'm like, so I think it's very like dope that you actually get to like apply it so often in the way that you like exist. But of course that like, it is applicable and really just informs absolutely everything. And I think social sciences are very special in that way. Um, Whereas like in the academy, there's like so much to learn, but you also get so much time and space to apply it like forever. Um, And I'm like so excited that you like get to like take that with you everywhere. Um, And I know that like we were talking or that you mentioned like ethics of traveling and like sustainability. Um, And I kind of want to talk about that like a little bit more like what are some ways that like you know that like you're consciously like being ethical or sustainable like to wherever you are or like the way that you travel or like even the way that you exist just because like I know that it's hard in 2022 to like be all of those things while traveling um but I also know that it's possible Mm -hmm. I think that personally I am more of a hostile vibe type of person. I think that's how you experience more of the local culture rather than resort hotel life, um, which 
I do like to mix in a little bit of that because after staying in a hostel for weeks, you feel very grimy. Um, so that that is nice as well. But I think that to connect the most with the local culture of wherever you are is what makes traveling the most ethical, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, making sure that whatever experiences you are taking part in is benefiting the local community in a way. So whether that be tourism, which Costa Rica is a huge, you know, tourism-based country, that's how most people make their living. And so if I'm going on, you know, a hike or something, I would like to hire a tour guide so that they can show me this hike through their eyes. They have the local information. They have the knowledge that I don't have. So why not learn from them and, you know, be feeding the economy? Also, I think that when you're traveling, like, you meet so many people of other cultures, too, especially in the hostel life. And so it's easy to get sucked into that. And that's something that I had been struggling personally on this trip with because I met people from Canada, Sweden, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and you know, I found myself navigating toward kind of the likelihood of that. And, you know, I, I've been trying to forgive myself for that because the anthropology the anthropological perspective in my mind is like, why are you doing that? You're here to experience the local culture, go make friends with the locals and do things that are relevant to that, which is how I had traveled Costa Rica three years ago for five months. I had made those more local friends. Um, But I think that like the timing and whatever you're looking for in the travel experience, like maybe you'll go in with certain expectations, but they're never going to be fully uh, satisfied and that's something that you just have to be okay with in any experience like even in you know everyday life in the states having those expectations that you hold too closely to yourself is what will always kind of make you disappointed and that's something that I struggle with absolutely I think that that's high on my list of things I need to work on too because when I had first arrived to Hako which is a town in Costa Rica um, that I used to spend many weekends in. Um, And it was, you know, filled with this vibrant local culture. It was grungy in the best way. And I was just obsessed with it. And then when I came back three years later, this trip, um, the vibe had completely changed. And that was something that I was, I had booked two weeks there. So I was like, oh no, now I'm stuck two weeks in this town that isn't the town that I remember it being. Um, And I was struggling quite a bit and then, you know, found my way, made new friends along the way. And then the very last day that I had in Hako, I found one of my surf instructors from three years ago. And I had, I'd been looking for him the whole two weeks because we didn't have each other's contact information. His name is Guari. And he just like spawned out of nowhere on the beach, looks at me and he's like, I remember you like, blah, blah, blah. How are you doing? And I just looked at him. And I was like, who, like, who are you? And he was like, Guari. And he had cut his hair and he had changed so much like in look wise that I didn't even recognize him. And it felt like so full circle to see him there my last day you know, catch up with everything that had been going on in his life for the past three years. And the fact that I hadn't even recognized him, like, 
I don't know. I still am processing that, I think. But um, yeah, I don't know how that relates to ethics, but here we are. <laughs> no, that's, I think, super important to like acknowledge the way that like things go and that things change. And I think when we, it, not even just with traveling, but just experiencing moments that are so temporary or transient, we get very attached to what it was when we experienced it. And I think, like, in our Western culture, in our self-indulgent or self-awareness, like, we kind of forget that life goes on and that things go on and that sometimes it's okay when things aren't there to return to. Um, And, I mean, like, I can imagine as someone that, like, had an attachment to this place that you visited at a certain time in your life and wanting to, like, revisit that. And, like, I can only imagine the disappointment of, like, it's not there because that's something that you get to dream about or talk about or just like it can be your happy place and just knowing that it's no longer there but I think it's also a really cool way to think of the way that things are there for us in a way of how we need it and when we need it in a certain moment of time um so I I I am like on that journey like with you I'm trying to like empathize with like how that must have gone but I think it was a sweet little gift to see your surf instructor again or like a little like token like from the universe to be like you can you can have this as a treat but <laughs> but that's a super cool experience yeah and i think it's like life deliver like it, it's it's funny how life in the universe like delivers messages like that like that like i think that was like kind of what you're getting at like what Vahini was saying is like although like this thing may be a spectacle and it may be like something magical at a time in your life like there are people around there and like practicing ethical traveling is remembering that like the people around you are people who like live like as equally complex lives as you and so like yeah just like going in with the acknowledgement that like you're gonna make a connection with them but like life goes on and so like I don't know I just think it's like a cool message and like I think it's like something that you only get from traveling because like I've definitely done the same thing where I was like I went somewhere and then I went there with friends like later and I was like, Oh, this isn't like how I remember it being. And it's like, well, yeah, because like that was four years ago, like things change. (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of things changing, I think we've had a really great conversation and like, I really enjoyed the journey that we've just gone on. And I think that like leads us to like our final like question we talked a lot about like authenticity and growth and change um and so I guess like through all of that and like all of the things that have made you like you um what are you left with as your own like strongest conviction as you navigate all of this and as you continue navigating all of it my strongest conviction I think it's it definitely just has to relate to being who you are Caring about what other people think, I think, is a natural human trait. And so no one should ever beat themselves up for caring about that and, you know, providing their life in a beautiful way on social media that might not be completely true to who they are on the inside. But I think that as long as you are on a path to getting to know yourself and getting to know your higher self, your higher purpose, your impact on the world ethically, within your community, while you're traveling, wherever you are. I think those are the most important factors of finding yourself in your 20s. I feel like every time we ask this question, Dylan and I are left speechless. And so we're just going to let it sit because I think, 
like I, it, it, we're always like trying to prepare how to respond, but we're never ready. So I think that was a perfect place to leave off episode five of season two. Of Thank you so much, Anjali, for coming um, and being on the podcast. Thank you. I'm I'm so honored to have been here and Bahini for you to have thought of me. I'm so happy. If you've made it this far, you probably really want to hear about me and my life. So this weekend marks the one-year anniversary of when I told someone that I had a crush on that I did not dislike him. In those words. I don't dislike you. Mm-hmm. Yep. He didn't open the message. Or respond. But... <laughs> Somehow, I persisted. So, so, to tw- so to March 25th, 6th, 7th weekend, Vahini, you actually did survive. Congratulations. Let this be a reminder that we've survived 100% of our worst days and will continue to do so until eventually we find a worst day that we will not survive.